What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Motorcade 313 here on the Lead Sports Media Network. My name is Corey. With me, as always, is my co-host, Akil. How's it going? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. Uh, a little bit of a fun week of Detroit basketball, at least at the end. We got a little bit. We got not a lot of wins, obviously, which is to say zero. But we got the meme of Beef Stew standing over Blake Griffin. We got to like puff our chest out a little bit because he looked tough in the moment. Um, and then we got a nice fun week coming up. So I think all in all, especially because you and I have been on the same page all season about what we expect out of this season, it's very easy to kind of just roll with it and enjoy it for what it is. But we're going to do a quick recap of the three games, the games against Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn before Akil has something he wants to get into in terms of play calling. Uh, I have a little bit that I want to get into in terms of how we are as fans, which seems like my regular thing every week and uh, we'll kind of preview the week ahead. So uh, we started off the week facing off against the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that there was some contingent of the fandom that thought maybe we had a chance to pull off like the rare win against the Bucks because, you know, no Drew, no uh, Chris Middleton, no Brooke Lopez. It didn't matter. Giannis was absolutely unstoppable. And uh, it, it was funny. It was the day uh, I, one of my, former podcast co-hosts and colleagues at the lead. I was talking to Danny Fanneroff about uh, where I was standing at with uh, Jeremy Grant. And as soon as I said that I was kind of iffy on it, he's struggled out the gate so far this season, which is all I really said. Uh, he came out and was very good against Milwaukee. And then again, pretty solid against Philadelphia before coming back down to earth against Brooklyn. We'll get to that in a little bit. That was really the only thing you can really take away from this. I, I don't think... I don't think there was much else to take from the Milwaukee game. It was just generally ugly. The fans were really starting to go at it. And, we'll, and some of it will lead into what you're saying with uh, in terms of game plan. But just in general, uh, a lot of Corey Joseph that fans are not okay with. And um, it doesn't bother me as much because I, like, I know you're going to play the veterans. But, like, I get it also. Like, it, it sucks. Like, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're one of these fans that wants to see just pure Killian and then pure Cade and stagger the two of them as your lead ball handler that's certainly going to bother you, but what, what, am I missing anything in this game for, for your, from your perspective? I mean, we built more houses with the amount of bricks that we were shooting. That's, yeah. that's a very good takeaway as well. And it was, it was disgusting to see, man. Look, I wanted to see a little bit more. The team didn't have Drew, Chris, or Dante DiVincenzo. So I wanted to see something. So that was kind of upsetting to me as well. This was also the night that, and I, I forgot about it at first, but as I'm reading over the notes that I have on the game, it, it came back up to me that Pistons Twitter was kind of infighting within itself in the sense that Casey was ready to pull like the young guys. If you didn't look like you were out there giving it your best effort, he was going to sit you down and play the vets who were. And that rubs some people the wrong way because it's a tank and it's a rebuilding season and you want them to get those lumps. It kind of just depends on what side of the philosophy you are. And I'm going to kind of explain it and form it as a question to you. Some think that if you're a young guy and you're going to come in and you're not going to try, you catch that 30 point beat down and, and just, you know, eat the crow that you caused yourself to eat. Others uh, are of the mind that holding them accountable means if they're not going to come out and give it their best effort then bench them and show them that effort is required, no matter whether, whether or not you expect to lose the game effort is required. So where do you stand on that? On the whole effort thing? I think, yeah, playing hard is is huge. But we're such a young team. They're just going to be bound to make mistakes. Like, that's just what it is when you're a young team in the NBA. 
it's not always going to look pretty all the time. Sure. And I'd rather see our growing pains with our young players than, than see as many Corey Joseph minutes as we're getting. Because it's, it's getting annoying. But, like, I get both sides of it. Like, Dwayne Casey doesn't want to actually go out here and, like, see our young guns not try or mess up assignments, mess up rotations or whatever it could be. But on a fan perspective as well, it's like I'd we'd rather see our young guns try to grow through those pains instead of seeing Corey Joseph minutes. I think I've just sold myself so much, and it's the opposite end of where a lot of Pistons Twitter stands in that I believe in Casey that and like I agree. I'd rather I'd obviously like in terms of my personal enjoyment, I'd rather watch Kill or Cade than than Corey Joseph. But I do think it's important, and this is something that I, I like, and I, because I used to just be pure tank, all 100% tank, like love exactly what the Thunder are doing. But as you've watched a lot of, I mean, it's it's been a generation of fans at this point that have watched teams go for tanking whenever they're a losing, whenever they're a team that is young and up and coming. The teams that you see bounce back the most out of it whenever they finally do get that talent are the ones that have like held them accountable throughout the way. That was the biggest issue with the Sixers when they were coming out of the process because you would be playing 13 guys that probably weren't supposed to even be in the league. And, and it showed on the court whenever they didn't make any sort of progress. And I'm not talking about like during the first couple of years of Simmons and Embiid. I'm talking about when Embiid was sitting out and there was a lot of Jaleel Okafor and picked 13 other G leaguers at that time. So I, I don't mind the accountability. I do think there is a point where it becomes reductive. I don't think we've hit it yet, but I do think we absolutely could, but that was where that game really was, was where it kind of reared its ugly head. Philadelphia was a better game. And we saw Killian and Cade both be aggressive from the start, which was nice to see. It was Cade Cunningham's first double-double of his career, which is also obviously nice to see. Grant was good again. Again, the bench played a little bit more than people would like. But what I was just watching it, it felt like that the young guys were just playing a more cohesive brand of basketball from the game prior. Did you take anything out? This is where my rant, my, not rant, but my point of contention with the fans comes in. So before I get into that, what, what was? did you take anything else away from the Philadelphia game? Uh, from the Philadelphia game in particular, for me, the biggest thing was that our offense, I think, looked a little bit better. Like there was some actual like hope in there. <laughs> Unlike other games where it just looked disgusting, like they actually started out pretty well. Cade looked good. Sure, he was gutting. I think he shot like 17 shots or something ridiculous. But it was nice to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, offensively, we looked a little bit better. Of course, we had the highlight play of Isaiah Stewart destroying Joel Embiid's ankles. And yeah. Get into the rim and throwing one down, which was great. So offensively, it was nice to see some life out of us. Yeah, that that. So after a rough outing against the Bucks, Stu really showed off in the Philadelphia and then Brooklyn game. So that was definitely nice to take away. I want to get your thoughts on this, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just being a little bit oversensitive. The fans booed Andre Drummond, and I just don't get it. Like I understand that he was not the most popular Piston while he was here for some. It's not he didn't demand a trade. He didn't create the contract that he signed. He, 
I, I just, why do people hate Andre Drummond so much? I, I understand why like other cities would make jokes about his game because it's like an, like a game that's kind of outdated at this point. He was nothing but decent to Pistons fans. I, I just thought he's never said anything bad. Whereas like Blake has said some bad things on the way out, but I don't get the hate towards Andre Drummond. Yeah. And you, in general, I've, I've called Andre Drummond the definition of empty stats. Like, but I was thinking about it. He would be pretty dang nice to have this year. Just like a pure rebounding and actually the one person who was an actual lob threat, like who provides any type of vertical spacing whatsoever for our basketball team. Never thought I'd say it. Andre Drummond would actually be like kind of cool to have this year. Like it would be needed. Well, even beyond that, like I, yeah, I agree. But even beyond, like I don't, I don't get the animosity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's he didn't force his way out. He was happy to be here. Like, it's so odd to me. Like that whole that whole era was generally disappointing, and I guess he's the face of that era besides Reggie Jackson. But it's weird because like I remember during the playoffs last year when Reggie Jackson was going off, Pistons fans were getting excited because they're like, "That's our guy. That's Reggie." I. I didn't get that, but then I wouldn't have booed Reggie. And for fans to come out and boo Drummond, it was just odd to me. But I'll, I'll leave it there. It's, it's not that weird. important. It was just odd. It was weird. Then the Nets game, which was the first half kind of set back offensive basketball by a decade. Uh, it was tied at 39 in the half. Killian didn't play. Not that that has nothing necessarily to do with that. He was out with a thumb injury on the second night of a back-to-back. I thought this was the best that Cade looked. Cade looked in, not like in terms of statistically, but he was in control of just the flow of everything, which I thought was really cool. Uh, We ended up only losing by six, which probably would have been different if Jeremy Grant was not 0 for 9 from the field for four points. He Uh, looked disgusting. And it's just, and then, so between that and the fact that, so Casey spoke on it today, I I saw all the beat reporters sharing it when talking about Hamadou Diallo not playing and being, just buried on the bench. Uh, Rodney Magruder got minutes in the first half over him, and Casey brushed it off in the sense that, well, we like to see who's ready from a day-to-day basis. We've, we've played Hami a bunch, and we just want to see what's out there. Between Grant and and that, I, I was definitely taken aback. What were your thoughts on the Brooklyn game? And and I, th- that can lead into what the point of contention that you wanted to get into, because while the offense did look better in the last two games, it's not exactly where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaway is defensively, I think Sadiq Bey is growing into being our kind of like wing stopper kind of defender next to Jeremy Grant, which is really, really nice to see. There was a couple possessions where he had James Harden and Shambles, uh, Shuck lost. I still vividly remember the possession where James Harden was just trying to get by him and he just couldn't. And then he ended up losing the ball. And instead of picking it up for a half court, he just let Sadiq go grab it and he went and dunked it. Uh, So that was, it was cool to see that defensive um, progression from him. And he's made a ton of leaps this year in general as a playmaker as well. Like he's getting way better as a passer um, I thought he was going to just kind of stick into this three and D lane kind of thing, but he's getting to the rim a ton more as well. This, uh, this kind of season as well, which is 
which is great. But offensively, Cade looked phenomenal as well. And it kind of gets to my kind of point of contention, I guess, with this team, if we want to get into it. Um, yeah. It's a huge kind of section on, on Pistons Twitter of we want to see more pick and roll. We want to see more pick and roll. We want to see more pick and roll. Genuinely, yes, it would be great because we have two, I really want to say, pick and roll ball handlers who I think would thrive in it. Absolutely. And when you run this kind of motion concept offense with, with Dwayne Casey wants to run, Sure, it's cool if you got like five people who move on a string and you have the 2014 San Antonio Spurs, or if you have the Golden State Warriors where you have dudes who know how to play play with each other and they're all really, really smart, super high IQ guys, and they can all function and know how to cut and timing and all that stuff. Sometimes it looks really, really ugly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think a huge reason why we are struggling from shooting from three is because we don't get to the paint at all. Like, I think that's a big point of emphasis, like, to be able to get to shoot threes. It's kind of like an accordion effect, like, collapse and then expands kind of a deal. So, like, there's not a lot of paint touches going on to actually get defensive sucked in. So you actually have the room and space for three-point shooting, which is where I think pick and roll can come from, right? Like, you can get downhill. Like, our guards could probably get downhill, put pressure on the rim. And then defenses can collapse and you can kick out and they can get some more threes. Uh, I was just kind of interested with your take on it because I, I don't lead one way or another yet, but it's, it's just kind of interesting. So what, what's your thoughts? No, I, I agree. And I, I'll be the first one to admit, and I, I've said, I think I've said it on here before, but I've definitely said it on other podcasts that we do. I'm, I'm never going to sit here and tell you that I'm, my brain does not necessarily go, uh, game plan tactician sense it's always more statistical but i appreciate the, the insight that typically whether it be you or bailey on our w show have with that kind of insight i agree though i think that that would ultimately that's my one gripe with casey and i have very few i know that that's a big point you, you said it before but it's true it's a big point in pistons twitter to gripe about casey i don't generally have a problem with a lot of what he does but i do think that one of the issues is that he is generally unwilling to compromises offensive game plan and that's part of it like I, I do think it makes sense to get the amount of three-point shots that they do but they're not always great looks because it, it, they're like you're just not running an offense that is going to like pull defense defenders away from the shooters and I do think that like it's what I liked so much about the fit and why I was so bullish on the fit of Cade and Kill together was that it is a multi- ball handler set and I think with that you do need to run some of the things to get people open because we're not like there's not a lot other than Cade and I don't think Cade's there yet but no one on this team really profiles as somebody that is going to regularly create their own shot so you do need the, the pick and pops and the pick and rolls and all that stuff to kind of get them open and as you said earlier it would help if they had a legitimate lob threat and, and not having that right now is I mean, I guess that's one of the excuses they would make to not doing it as often, but I do think that just differentiating up the offensive game plan could go a long way to them looking better. I would say that, and this is my, oh, like, it's the only thing I really push back on. And it's not even, a, like, your criticism is absolutely valid. If you want that as a reason, as a way to help them win more games, I have no interest. If you want it as a way to help them develop as an offensive talent, that I can understand. And I think that that's 
oftentimes when I get into arguments with people about what this team is doing, it's, well, why is he doing this? It's not helping us win. He's, he's, Casey's even come out and said the point of this year is not to get into the playoffs and win. It's, it's bettering the young talent and developing them in multiple roles. So if, if, and I don't think this is you, I'm just speaking to whoever would be listening to this because I know that you and I are on the same page in that, but if, if developing more of a pick and roll offense would help both Killian Cade and whoever they are working with develop offensively, then I am a hundred percent for it. I mean, yeah, it will do that. And newsflash, we've talked about it all year. So far, as long as we've done this podcast, we are not good at the game of basketball. We yeah. Are, we aren't winning games regardless. Like, we're, we're just not. Yeah, and, so my point is when people say it, they're like, well, that could be the difference between us winning 15 games and us winning 20 games. And I'm like, what are we arguing about here? But you're you're not coming at it from that standpoint. But I'm just no, no, no. My, my, my thing is you have two ball handlers who could actually thrive running a whole ton of high ball screens, and it gets them more reps and more comfortable into the NBA. So I don't know why we're doing not doing it as much because I think we're in the bottom 33% of the NBA. Last time I checked of the amount of pick and roll turn per game, something really, really, really low. Yeah, we were last I checked. I haven't checked in the last couple of days, but I know we were last I checked. Yeah, so that shouldn't be the case when we have a guy in Cade Cunningham who thrives out of pick and roll and the same thing with Killian as well. I will say they've only shared the court for three games so far together. So I'm not that that's, that's, I'm certainly not making an excuse, but I would say that, and we've seen this over the years with Casey, he does, whether it be adapt rotations or adapt what he's looking for from his players, he does adapt over time. I'm not saying he will add up, like change his offensive game plan much. I don't necessarily expect that, but if we are seeing them run a little bit more of that in the coming months, I would not be surprised. And I think both of us would be generally pleased with that. Yeah. So, um, so that's all for last week, but this week coming is going to be fun. Uh, so, and we, we, that, that helps us transition to the pick but it's also probably the most fun part of this preview in that uh, I don't know, like I, I remember I saw people throwing it out like leading into this week, not necessarily just from a Pistons perspective, but from a general NBA perspective, I don't know if we've ever seen the number one pick go off against two, three and four in the same week, but that's what we get this week uh, on Wednesday. We, see him go we play the houston rockets then i I believe is it friday we go to cleveland because yes because i was debating on going to that game It was only about an hour and change from me but i I, so i'm debating on if i want to try to get out of work early on friday to drive up to cleveland to see uh the pistons play the cavaliers and evan mobley and then we go against scotty barnes so are you how excited are you for not in terms of wins losses but just getting to see this is more what you want when you're a tanking team you want to see like the young guys match up so are you, are you looking i, I to want game? to see the top four picks because they've yeah. all been good and fun to watch evan mobley is a beast he's a problem he is all of that i think he's contested the most shots in the nba yes and like the second closest to him is 50 shots below him so it's teammate. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, by the way. So I remember I said Cleveland will be fun to watch just because of purely Evan Mobley. And Cleveland's kind of on, like, league pass. Like, like they're a league pass team this year. They are fun to watch no matter what. And They're I'm, also low-key better than we expected, too, right? Yeah, because it's – I didn't think we'd think the whole Laurie, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen thing would work as well as it has – 
And they're running like four or five pick and rolls with Evan Mobley throwing lobs to Jared Allen. And it's like. Well, him last night against the Knicks was absolutely stunning with his 26 point outburst. The fact that like we, we, if we had been doing this uh, during the draft process, I was doing my other podcast growing pains, which rest in peace to growing pains, but before going into the draft last season and as a Pistons fan, I was, I I was never really, before we got the number one pick, I was entertaining Josh green or sorry, Jalen green, but to me, the debate for the number one pick was always Mobley and Cunningham. And so far, I feel pretty good about that because I like I didn't think Evan Mobley's offensive game would be where it is right now, just because like this is not the offense. Like he he was more of a tentative offensive player in college. And some of that's because he was getting triple teamed very often. But he has been a blast to watch. And obviously, like I'd rather win game. Like I, I'm not rooting for the yells necessarily, but I am. But I'm just really looking forward to getting to watch those two guys, not that they would like match up in terms of a matchup perspective. The Houston one is the one we're looking at, right? Because we saw it in summer league where it was Cade versus green. And I, I think green has been kind of like Cade only that he's played more games in the sense that he, he did have that one explosive game. He's been inconsistent, but there's obviously something there. And for whatever reason, the Houston fans have made this something of a rivalry. I don't know if you've noticed that, but yeah, it's annoying. Yes, but that's kind of just how Houston fans are, right? They have the biggest chip on their shoulder for the weirdest reason, and that Jalen Green fits right in. He has the biggest chip on his shoulder solely because he was not the number one pick. His his chip is being picked number two, not number one. Realistically, Uh, he probably should have gone number four, but I'm I'm just saying. Look, I I think there is something to be said for – being a two guard in the NBA, that's a gunner, right? Like if you're 20, 25 point per game score, I get that. Yeah, he's Jamal Crawford. Wow. Um <laughs> what I, I don't even really believe that. I'm just you know playing the Pistons fan role here. <laughs> uh, I one of <laughs> that is something Jamal Crawford. No, but right, like he'll fill it up, he'll score a lot of points for sure. I'm a big Sangoon fan, so I, I am too. Uh, this is an ESPN basketball game. Um, this is going to be like the worst glorified AAU basketball game of all time. And I'm 100% here for it. Like, it'll just be fun to watch. But like, that's what they're getting. That's that's what they're going for, right? They know oh, that absolutely. these two teams are just about the youth. And it's going to be a like, if that's the kind of basketball you like, which I've learned to like that, it's going to be yeah. a blast. Oh, this whole week. Because then like, we follow that up and we get Toronto on Saturday. And I was one of the biggest Scotty Barnes people of all yeah. time. Still am, by the way. So I get to watch Scotty, Evan Mobley, and Jay Laker in the same week. Like, sign me up. I'm excited. I'm. I'm. I don't think Pistons fans understand how ugly that. I think we're gonna lose it. I. I, I wouldn't be. I. We, we're probably gonna win this week just because you're going up against. I don't know because like Cleveland's surprisingly good. Toronto's decent, and I mean we could be Houston, but we like if if. Chip on his shoulder, gets hot enough, he could shoot us out of the game. We'll see. But I don't think Pistons fans are prepared for how ugly that game against Toronto is going to be because Pistons, the Pistons so far have prided themselves on the defensive end of the, the floor other than at the rim. Or, sorry, they, they that's where they, they try to make their hay. But um, Toronto does too. So I think that that could be just a defensive slugfest. And it's going to be fun to watch. I think Scotty Barnes is a ton of fun, but – I'm not going to necessarily say this is going to be just an offensive exhibition. You know what I mean? Like where we're looking at the glorified AAU game and the Houston game, I think this one could be a little bit more of a, a slugfest. Absolutely. But 
Anything, so are you, what are your picks for this week for those three games? Oh, man. I think we beat the Rockets, lose to Cleveland. We definitely lose to Toronto, by the way, now since I got Siakam back. I don't know how anybody, especially a not good offensive team like ourselves, we have to go up against a Scotty, OG, and OB. Pascal Siakam team, I'm I'm not dealing with that. I don't want to. And, and, and Fred Van Bleed at the point of attack, like that that defensive. Yeah, unit like, is we're just... not gonna, we're gonna score twenty points. Um, so yeah, I think we definitely lose that basketball game. So okay. I'd say we go one and two. That's where I'm at too. And shots to Keegan. Uh, Keegan works with us both. He, he's the Rockets lead guy, but he's also on with us for uh, lead with the W stuff. He, he does some of the writing for the Liberty, so. We'll be going at him probably playfully on Twitter this week, but it's all in love. He's his fan base is learning how to deal with the rebuild. Ours is kind of made for this. So uh, it'll be a fun game on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, anything else before we get out of here for the week? Yeah. If you're, if you're into gambling at all, um, I'm telling you Toronto Raptors unders the whole year, they're going to stop everybody from scoring and they're going to score zero points per game themselves. <laughs> uh, so Toronto Raptors unders every game. I like Plus that. I like that. Well, that should be fun. So definitely. Oh, one more thing I wanted to add, and it's very minor. It's just I, I, I got to get out of here on something else. How good did those city jerseys look? Like, it's one thing to see them on a mannequin. Oh, I they thought... look great. Oh, they looked great on the court. Oh, but my God. I might it have was, to cop a little Kelly. I might have to cop a Cade one. Yeah, so I've been debating. I think Stu won me over, and I'm going to get the Isaiah Stewart one because I like I awkwardly enough, I kind of want them all. Like like not by them all, I mean all the like the the, the rookies from last year, the three main, the three first rounders from last year, and Cade. But I'm gonna. I think I've decided. I have a Killian sweatshirt from I forget the name of the site. I'll tweet out a picture of it, it, it with it says Seiku and Kill on it. And it's the French Revolution, so I already have some for kill. Uh, and I'm just—I'm going to tell myself that we already got the—we got the teal lightning bolts. I think we're going to get teal in a couple of years, and that's when I'll get Cade. But yeah, I think—I think it's time to get up Isaiah Stewart jersey. But they just look fantastic. I was so impressed with how it all looked. I thought they—they they looked so much better in person, and it's just great to have a jersey jersey that looks good after it was so funny. Like you had Thursday where they were wearing the chromes, and those looked like actual vomit. So getting a nice Jersey the next day, just really warmed your heart. I can't wait to see kill out there. Cause he, he wasn't playing in the game on Friday. So looking forward to seeing him out there in that Jersey, but that does it for us this week. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week on motorcade three, one, three. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And while you were here, you might as well check out the Leeds Podcast Network, where we have six, yeah, you heard it, six brand new shows Monday through Saturday, each and every single week. You can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And whenever you listen to them, we are there. We cover the NBA, the WNBA, and we even dip our toes into the NFL. Check us out because we're really good.